blaring our podcast. Nothing is sweeter than SwiftCast. Hey guys, welcome to episode 127 of SwiftCast. This is Ashley. Adam. Steph. And Ashley. And Taylor has been doing so much this week, I don't even know where to start. It's been a busy week. It seemed like just when we thought that the tour was winding down, she came out with all of this promo. She has all these new photo shoots and interviews and videos that she did for the Grammys. And just every time I come online, there's more stuff to look at. Yeah. And even in addition to that, she's been busy in the Midwest, in Omaha and Iowa and Nebraska. Well, in addition to everything Taylor has been doing this week, I wanted to share something really exciting. Over the weekend, I just went to see Tori Kelly perform for the first time that I've ever seen her, and it was so awesome. Nice. Yeah, I remember seeing her perform on the VMAs, and that was one of the better performances on the whole entire show. That was the only performance I enjoyed on, besides Taylor's surprise cameo with Nikki on the whole award show. And after that performance, it just really motivated me to look her up and see when she was coming. And luckily, she's on tour right now. So she was so good. And if you guys don't know, she's been friendly with Taylor and sort of getting to know her over the past several months. They hung out at the Billboard Awards at the after party. She attended the 1989 show in Santa Clara, where she wasn't a guest, but she hung out with Taylor and Fifth Harmony backstage, which was really cool. And also, she did a cover video of Bad Blood that Taylor really enjoyed a couple months ago. Yeah, I remember we were all surprised that she was not a guest, but I could see it happening at some point. I love discovering artists on my own, but also when I know that Taylor likes them, that just makes me even more excited to feel like music that I enjoy outside of Taylor is also music that Taylor enjoys. It makes me feel like we have something in common. And as we mentioned earlier, Taylor gave us a lot of really good music this week to listen to and see if we have even more in common with her. Yeah, she posted last week a playlist of songs that she recommended and we listen to them and we'll be talking about them a little bit later. So if any of you guys have a chance to go see Tori Kelly, she's still on tour right now. I would highly recommend it. It was awesome. It was way better. All of her songs were better live than on the album, which I feel like you can't say about that many people these days. So we'll be getting to that playlist a little bit later. But for now, we're going to go into some of our older tweets. Our first one comes from October 12th, 2009. Taylor wrote, Grocery stores are wonderful. I passed by these brooms that smelled like cinnamon. It was 100% winter. I was 100% happy. I don't remember that tweet. And I don't think I've ever smelled a broom that smelled like cinnamon. (laughs) Yeah, really. But there she goes again on her fall slash winter smells and baking. And she's really all about fall and winter. She is. Two years later, on October 16th, 2011, Taylor tweeted, Awesome crowd tonight in Oklahoma City. Now I'm in bed watching kitten videos on YouTube and also eating pretzels. Okay, and also cookie dough. Good choice. Our next one comes from October 6th, 2012. Taylor tweeted, I feel like I'd be more 
understood if people knew I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith is how most of my emotions sound in my head. He responded to that tweet just after his performance, didn't he? I think so. We actually talked about this tweet a couple weeks ago after Nashville. And I think he did somehow see that online because so many people were retweeting it again. I think he responded. And Ashley actually got to see this live. Yeah, Ashley, how awesome was it? It was really awesome. Really, really cool. Yeah. Too bad you weren't sitting next to the grandma at those shows. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) If I had been sitting next to her, I feel like I would have been like, I need your contact info. I need to sit with you at every future Taylor show. (laughs) I would probably be freaking out right alongside her. Well, a few days after that tweet, on October 13th, 2012, Taylor said, My publicist describing the fashion direction of the shoot to me, it's supposed to be festive, but not Taylor Swift the Christmas elf. I feel like I know what shoot this was. The one where it was sort of like an insert in a newspaper. I forget what it was called, though. Was it Parade Magazine or something? Oh, I remember that one. And she had, she was like holding ornaments and it was very festive. It seems like as soon as September, October hits, Taylor is full force in holiday mode. She is. Which is why I'm surprised that we haven't gotten any recipes or winter or fall tweets really from her yet. We haven't. I bet we will very soon. Yeah, she's so busy, but she probably will soon. Our next one comes from October 12th, 2012. My dad's all, can you try using these new guitar picks? And I'm all, sure, I'm not picky. Then I'm all, get it? Ha 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 ha. How was that three years ago? I feel like that was like last year. That's crazy. Scott Swift, Mr. Guitar Pick. (laughs) Our next one is from October 7th, 2013. Taylor tweeted, An inside look at our last Red Tour shows in the U.S. featuring Luke Bryan, Hunter Hayes, Rascal Flatts, and Ed Sheeran. Oh, my heart can't handle it. And this is actually the video where we got to see the chants before Taylor would go out on stage. Rock'em, sock'em, knock'em, dead. Music City, this tour is red. And I'm just dying to know what the 1989 one is. And we still don't know yet. Our next one comes from October 4th, 2014. So just last year, Taylor tweeted, To see my dad photobombing is to see him at his happiest. And it was a picture from the Secret Sessions where Taylor's posing with some fans and he's just waving his arms in the background. (laughs) While the last one for this week is from October 15th, 2014, Taylor tweeted, I wish I could dress my cats in Halloween costumes, but the one time I tried that, Meredith tried to jump off a balcony. (laughs) Doesn't surprise me. Yes, I could see Meredith not wanting to wear a Halloween costume. Have you guys noticed, because this is definitely a new thing, that at the Taylor Nation booth now they have giant Meredith and Olivia cutouts? I did see that, and I would definitely want to get a picture with them. I wish they'd had those before. Me too. Well, those are our older tweets for this week, and now we have a whole bunch of news for keeping up with Swift. 
Our first one is about the album, 1989, and how it is still dominating. It has spent 49 straight weeks in the top 10 of the Billboard 200, and in addition, it is also still the top-selling album of 2015. I really hope we can make it to 52 weeks. I think we can. So close. In other exciting news, the Wildest Dreams music video is already Vivo certified. It was just released at the VMA Awards, so a little over a month ago. And it's already had over 100 million views. And this is good news because remember that proceeds from the video help wildlife in Africa. So keep watching it. It's for a good cause. And you get to see Taylor. In our next piece of news, Taylor has now surpassed 50 million followers on Instagram. And as she says, she suspects that it's only because of her cats. I saw one of those posts on Tumblr, you know, where it says started from the bottom and then now we're here. And it wrote started from the bottom and it had a screenshot of when Taylor was very excited to have a million followers. Wow. And when was that? How long ago was that? I don't recall. That's crazy, though. Well, the next piece of news is that Taylor was seen leaving a recording studio last week, and I think people were very curious about what she was doing, but it seems like she was there to film the Grammy videos talking about 1989. Oh, yeah, now that you mention that, that does sound right, because it looks like she was wearing the same outfit when she was photographed outside as she was during the interview. Does that sound right? I mean, I'm like 99% sure that that was what that was. My thought when seeing her leave the studio was, since she used to go to a fake gym that was actually a studio, is she going to a fake studio that's actually a gym? (laughs) Maybe, you never know. (laughs) But those Grammy videos that just came out are really awesome, hearing all about the making of 1989, and we're going to be talking about the first two of them a little bit later. Well... Taylor was featured on the cover of NME Magazine, and I found out that NME stands for New Musical Express, and that is a British music journalism magazine. So that's pretty cool. There was some cool photographs that went with it, as well as a full-length article, and we are going to be previewing that article later in our main discussion, but next week we will go more in-depth into it, because it's pretty long, and we want to pull it apart and look at some of the things that were written there. Taylor is also on the cover of GQ magazine, and this is her first time appearing on GQ. That's a good photo, I think. And like Adam said, there's an article for that as well. The cover was actually leaked over a week early, so we'll be talking about that interview a little later next week as well. And finally, Taylor is on the cover of Vogue Australia. I just looked it up, and it's a really pretty cover. She looks very different, though. The headline, well, there's two headlines on the cover. One is a quote from Taylor. It says, I want to surprise, not shock, which I think is a cool quote for the cover. And then the other headline on the cover says, New Romantic, a fashion renaissance. So I'm assuming that that has to do with Taylor you know, playing off of her song and the outfit they have her in is really pretty blue color. It's like a long dress and she has some sort of scarf on and the dress has like a very low cut, but then the rest of her is covered, which I feel like 
is what she usually likes to do with her style. She'll have one part of it that's more revealing and then the rest is covered. And I think it looks very classy and her hair is a little different. It's sort of like, I don't know if they gave her some sort of extensions for this, but she has like a choppy shoulder length layered haircut. Yeah, I like it. And her hair appears to be like kind of a dark brown with blonde highlights. Definitely makes me wonder what her hair will be like for the next era. <laughs> exactly. I've been saying for months I think she's going to change her hair color. It's the only thing she hasn't done yet. Yeah, I think she'll do either brown or red. I'm leaning more toward brown, especially because look at Wildest Dreams. I feel like she was preparing us. I also feel like that's like it was an opportunity for her to test it out and see how she liked it, too. Yeah. I like it. She's one of those people who it doesn't matter what she wears or what her hair looks like. She looks good. She could wear a garbage bag and have blue hair. <laughs> I just remember how shocked I was when she first cut her hair. And now I just can't even picture her any other way. I'm so used to it. Even with the bangs, too. People were sort of flipped out about it a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, she changed her hair. But it quickly grew on me i thought that it, she would never look right to me without long hair and now the long hair to me looks like it's not even her it's so strange how your perception changes over time the whole hair changing thing it's also if you remember taylor's very first vogue cover is when she did cut her bangs she was getting ready for the photo shoot and she just said just cut my hair and then cut her hair that's true so i could totally see this being like a preview it's vogue if you're gonna change your style up and vogue approves then it's probably a good call gosh that made me just think of how in that vogue spread they had those pictures of the entire band yes those were great that was amazing well now coming up on our calendar we have several shows over the next week or so taking place on October 12th, Taylor's going to be in Fargo at the Fargo Dome. On October 17th, she will be in Arlington, Texas, which is basically Dallas, at the AT&T Stadium. On October 20th, she will be in Lexington, Kentucky at Rupp Arena, which, thank God, I will be at because I'm having withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> and then on October 21st, she will be in Greensboro, North Carolina at the Greensboro Coliseum. Can you guys even believe that there's less than three weeks left of this tour yeah from the time of recording this we have 20 days left in the u.s in the u.s you're right our international listeners are about to be thrilled we are about to be very depressed but i think it'll be interesting to see if she changes anything up for the international tour dates yeah she usually does doesn't she yeah she might just go ahead and debut her new hair at those shows. She's done it before. Remember Speak Now with the Bangs in Australia? And for the last Red shows in Asia, she had her short hair already by then. Yeah, it was always so weird. But for the haircut, she did that in February, right after the UK dates of 2014. So we'll see. Well, now it's time for our mini segments with a few swifty problems our first one comes from michaela wood 27 i have some serious bruises on my knees from the barricade yesterday hashtag swifty problems 
Oh, Michaela. Our next one is from Vinny on Twitter, and he said, When you hear people sing blood runs out instead of blood runs cold, and you just feel the anger build up. Swifty problems. Blood runs out. That sounds sort of life-threatening. Yeah. <laughs> I actually haven't heard that, but I can see why that would be frustrating. Our next one comes from at Melissa My 108 She says, what will it take for Taylor Nation to follow me? Hashtag Swifty Problems. Hashtag Losing Hope. Do they follow a lot of people? Not too many. We don't know the magic trick. Just keep trying. Our next one is from at SwiftSlays89 on Twitter. I guess I'm the only one who fangirls over the 1989 voice memos more than the tracks. Swifty problems. Uh, no, you're definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) And our last one comes from Lydia Licious X. Studying Spanish and waiting for Taylor Swift to follow me. The usual. Hashtag Swifty problems. Now I think that follow will be a little bit harder to get than a Taylor Nation follow. I think so. Well, now it's time for our fashion segment. And we have a few really cute outfits from the past week. The first one is from October 7th when Taylor was leaving MSR Studios after she filmed her listening session with industry people, which we'll be talking about very soon. She wore an Aritzia Babaton Joan sweater in black, which is $95. And then she wore these black Urban Outfitters Court Shop James high-rise suspender jeans, which are really cool. Unfortunately, those are sold out. And then with that, she wore black Prada ankle booties, which are unfortunately $990. really like those boots. And they're also sold out. But it was a good outfit overall. Well, Taylor is featured on the cover of GQ for November 2015. And in that photo, she's wearing a James Purse long skinny tank, which is $85. Isn't it cool that this was her first GQ cover and she wore just an $85 tank? That's all she needs. Yeah. Like you just said, she could wear a garbage bag. She could, yeah. (laughs) Doesn't that look very similar to the, was it the billboard photo shoot when 1989 was about to be released with that cover? Do you remember what I'm talking about where she's on the beach and she's wearing like a white tank top? Oh, that was the Rolling Stone. Oh, Rolling Stone, not billboard. Okay. Yeah. She had jeans on though, I think. Or at least like cropped jeans, right? Yes. Yeah. But that tank top reminds me of it, yeah. Yeah, it's and the GQ cover is sort of beachy. Her hair looks wet, and she has a bikini top on underneath the long, skinny tank. Well, actually, I think she has a string bikini on because you can see strings underneath the tank. So it's very beachy. She always finds a way to be sexy yet classy without revealing too much. Yeah, if you compare other GQ covers... <laughs> This is probably the tamest cover shoot they've ever had. And it looks awesome. Such a good shot. Well, our next piece of fashion is from October 8th at the meet and greet at Taylor's show in Des Moines, Iowa. 
she wore a self-portrait cutwork lace jumpsuit, which is $505. And actually, and we don't have the details on this yet, but at the next show in Omaha on the 9th, she wore a lace jumpsuit also. And it was so unexpected. It almost looked like a tour costume. It looked like the blank space outfit, I thought. So the fact that she wore two jumpsuits this week makes me wonder if that might be one of her new fall staples. Well, and in Omaha is where she did the photo with the golf club, which was pretty hilarious. That was one of my favorite pe- pictures ever. That was so cool. I guess a fan wrote on Tumblr that she wanted Taylor to hit her with a golf club. She not only wrote about it, she had a video of her screaming when she was at the concert that she wanted to be hit with the golf club. and of course taylor being taylor brought a golf club with her if you haven't seen this photo yet go just type in omaha and taylor and it probably will come right up and taylor posted it to her own tumblr so you can go there oh yeah that's right it's hilarious and our last one comes from the nme magazine photo shoot taylor wore tamara mellon miami vice holographic suede pumps Originally $695, but it looks like they're on sale for $243. She also wore a Millie Mesh Bralette, $175, on sale for $86.99. And a Libertine Japan Print Bomber, which is only available in stores, not online. Well, thank you to Taste Swift Style for tracking down all of that fashion. And you can go to tasteswiftstyle.com to see pictures of these outfits. So now for our main discussion, like we mentioned earlier, there was so much this week that it was hard to even figure out what to talk about. But we have a few things that we really wanted to cover. And the first, I know we said we'll talk about the NME interview more in depth next week, which we will. But there was one quote from it, which really stood out. And we just want to talk about since we're all getting super emotional about tour. So this excerpt from the article says, We're backstage at the 1989 tour, the blockbuster Arena Spectacular, in support of Swift's world-beating album of the same name. This is the fourth of an unprecedented five sold-out nights at LA's Staples Center, and Swift is loving every minute. And then she quotes, I was thinking about this yesterday, and it hit me. I don't want this tour to end, ever, she says, and that's never happened to me before. Well, she can just keep it going forever. She could. We would all buy more tickets. But yeah, that's a bold statement because, I mean, I'm sure she was very sad to have the Red Tour end, but I don't ever recall seeing a statement like that. No, she told us that what was ahead was far greater. And we didn't believe her. Oh yeah, that was the tweet (laughs) on the final night, right? Yeah, the C.S. Lewis quote, right? Yes. Yeah, so sort of in a similar vein, and again, we're going to talk about this way more, but Taylor actually was sort of excited about the Red Tour ending because she knew what was coming. And in this interview, she's saying she thinks people might be sick of her and she might take a little break. And that was the other huge thing people were talking about from this interview. Like we said, we'll talk about this a lot more next week, but I think there are several different ways you can interpret that quote. And, you know, I also think that what she said, I've never felt this way about a tour before. I think every other tour, 
she sort of had that chapter, that era of her life, and she was ready to move on to the next thing. And I feel like she was trying to find herself and find her voice. And I just feel like this whole era has been so perfect and it's so her. It fits her better than anything she's ever done. And I think that's why she's not ready for it to be over. Yeah, that's so true. And even the way she talks about it in the Grammy videos that we'll talk about later, you can tell this is absolutely like she always said the favorite, her favorite thing that she's ever done. So it's going to be hard to let this era go. So we really had no warning that these videos were coming. Taylor just tweeted out of the blue, here's an inside look at making 1989. And we were like, whoa. So, so far, Taylor has released two videos out of three. There's going to be a third one that should be released on Monday, October 12th. But the first one, she described a little bit about how her first albums were made. The self-titled album, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, and then finally she got into 1989. So it was cool to see her talk about those old albums. And one thing that I wrote down that I wanted to mention was... I had known about Nathan Chapman, and you all probably know about Nathan Chapman too, and he's a producer and has been a producer on all of her albums, but she told this little story about how she had worked with him a little bit on a few songs, and her label wanted her to go have the album produced by somebody more well-known, because Nathan had not actually made an album before Taylor ended up using him for her own and she kept mentioning in the video he was working out of a shack he was literally in a shack she kept saying he was in a shack <laughs> and taylor how of course we know she is she was very adamant that she wanted him for her album and obviously things turned out great and she has used him for all five albums now as she described it they said has this guy actually made an album before and she was like no but it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> honestly i love how taylor ever since the very beginning has been willing to fight for what she wants because i never actually knew this anecdote i didn't know that her label had an issue with nathan but i do remember that scott told her our song was not good enough to be released to radio and taylor fought him on it and said no i don't care if i wrote this when i was in ninth grade for a talent show it's going to be a single and it was her first number one and so now we find out she was doing the same thing with Nathan, <laughs> fighting for him. And even with Scott, when Scott Borchetta first approached her, he was just some guy wanting to start a label. He didn't even have a label, and she went with him. Yeah, she takes risks, and she has such good intuition and knows when to take those risks. You're exactly right. She has great instinct. And so then, as she described it, they made the debut album. Obviously, it did really well. And then they worked together on Fearless, and she was saying how when Fearless came out, people, I guess, in the industry were really questioning whether she was actually contributing to the songs that she was listed as writer, or if she was just letting someone else do it and taking credit, and that she really felt the need to prove herself after that, which is what led her to the decision to make Speak Now totally writing every song on her own. Yeah, I think she mentioned how Fearless was a really cohesive album and she won her first Grammy with that album. 
shocked about how she dropped the Grammy in the press room, which is hilarious. And because she had so much success with it, sort of in Taylor's words, people throw rocks at things that shine. So they had to take her down a notch and say, oh, well, is she actually really doing this? And Taylor being Taylor needed to prove everybody wrong by writing all of Speak Now on her own. But I really liked how she described the Fearless album. She said how it was just a really cohesive album and it really was her breakthrough with Love Story giving her international success. And I agree with that. I think Fearless was one of those albums, well, with all of her albums, I can listen start to finish and not skip anything at all. But with Fearless, it's more like a sort of diary that flows, every song flows together and it's feels like a story, sort of. Whereas Speak Now in Red, like she described, were more, she was trying different things. And kind of like Ashley said, like finding herself in, with 1989 after Fearless, in my opinion, and I think in Taylor's too, was her next like really very cohesive album where it, it's like a diary and it just all flows together. And so... As she was going through that progression of talking about all of the albums, she was talking about Red. And I think we all agree that it was a very well done album. You know, it was really when she wasn't quite in country anymore, but she wasn't fully in pop yet. And as a result of that, there were some country songs and some pop songs. And some might argue that the whole album actually was pop, but it was she was going more in that direction. And so that was when she decided to work with Max Martin and Shellback for the first time. So they worked on We're Never Ever Getting Back Together, I Knew You Were Trouble, and 22. And then she also had other co-writers and other producers doing the rest of the album. And she seemed to say that she feels now like maybe the reason why it didn't win the Grammy for Album of the Year was because it wasn't cohesive sounding enough. I loved how she described just the whole album process. She wanted to work with more and more people because that's how you learn and develop by being exposed to new things and that was what she wanted to do. Red really was a transition album and she had sort of a big group of people and then with 1989 she decided no I need to narrow this down and not have so many people. And one other note she mentioned about Red which was funny but it's also sad at the same time is that she talked about how they announced Album of the Year, and what they said was Album of the Year goes to random access memories. They really dragged it out, and I remember sitting there watching it. Yeah, and you could even see on the video that she like jumped for a split second because she thought they were saying Red, because Red and Random you know, both start with R, and they sound very similar. And she mentioned that she didn't go to any after parties. She cried a lot. She went to In-N-Out Burger and ate a lot after losing that award. She didn't say this in the video, but I remember in a different interview, she said that her backup singers all came to visit her after the Grammys and sort of mourn with her, just be like kind of bummed out. And she played a few of the songs for 1989, and they said something like, oh, Sounds sort of 80s-ish, you know. And then they all left for the night. And then in this interview, Taylor said she went to bed and that night she woke up and was like, that's it. And that's what she said in this interview, too. She said it was four in the morning, she woke up, and she said, 
1989. That's it. That's what this album is. I just love this story because it shows really kind of like everything works out. It was a shame that she lost. Red was such a great album, but we wouldn't have 1989 if that had not happened, really. Yeah, she also mentioned in there, like, about her not winning. She was saying how that, you know, artists don't make music to win a lot of awards. She said, but you have to take your cues from somewhere and continue to evolve. And as she put it, she said, there's a few different options that you have when you don't win an award. (laughs) And she said, you can either complain a lot about it, you can go up and take it from the person who actually won, (laughs) or you can take that as the lesson to try and improve your music. But one thing I want to say and that I wish I could say to Taylor was that I really hope that she doesn't discount in her mind that just because it didn't win album of the year, I just hope she knows what a great album it actually is because I would never change it. I would never have wanted her to put out a different album. All the songs on Red are so special. I don't think Taylor would change anything. Everything kind of led her to where she is now. But I do think one thing with Taylor is the way she releases her albums By the time the album is actually up for album of the year, it's over a year old, well over a year old. And I remember before the Grammys, when Red did not win, she was doing pre-show interviews and she just said, I'm just really thankful that this even got nominated because it's over a year old and I didn't expect anybody really to even remember it or care about it. And I, I don't know, when she lost, I did think that probably had some sort of impact on it. Because it was, for an album, being over a year old is really old. I don't think it will happen with 1989. But I think that if it if 1989 does not win at the Grammys, I think Taylor will actually reevaluate her release schedule. And maybe that's why, as I mentioned earlier, in the NME, she said she wants to maybe take a break. Maybe she wants to see what happens at the Grammys and sort of reevaluate whether her release schedule is really working i mean i think her release schedule is smart because while yeah you do run the risk of people forgetting about it i feel like if an album comes out in october the nominations for the grammys are in december not even two months after the album has been out and then the awards are two months after that it kind of seems like just putting an album out and expecting everyone to instantly just be giving it awards i feel like it's better if people have more time to absorb it Yeah, I think her schedule works really well, and I actually want her to stay with it. My opinion is, if it's not broken, then don't try to fix it. But I wonder if Taylor thinks because of Red Loss that maybe she does need to make some sort of change if 1989 also doesn't win. But I just don't think that's going to happen. I don't know how 1989 could not win anything. There's no denying the worldwide impact that it's had. Yeah, it just would be a crime if she gets absolutely nothing for 1989. So at the end of the first video, Taylor talked a little bit with the audience about Blank Space, and she played the voice memo, which we all have um, as part of the deluxe album. So there wasn't really anything new there. But then we got into the second video, and Taylor began talking first about Out of the Woods. And this was something really new to us. The first thing she mentioned is that She talked a little bit about Jack Antonoff and how awesome he is and 
one thing that's really funny is that when they're together or even when they leave each other voicemails or talk on the phone, they both really like the movie Gremlin and they talk to each other sometimes in Gremlin voices. And you got to go watch the video because it's the funniest thing. Are people going to be showing up to the tour dressed as Gremlins now? <laughs> Probably. This was funny. I didn't realize that because for the I wish you would voice memo at the end when she says, do you like it? I guess she's using a gremlin voice there. I didn't, I just thought she was being funny, but now I realize that was their inside joke. Also, she uses even a more pronounced version of that, like even more gremlin-like in something that kind of shocked everybody. It shocked me. She played a new voice memo, which we did not get on the album. So she played the out of the woods voice memo for the audience. And it was what she sent to Jack Antonoff after she had recorded the song for the first time or when she was, you know, working on it in progress. So it's similar to the other voice memos, but it's it's just really cool to hear, you know, a, a stripped down version with just the background music and then her vocals for the song. That was crazy. I was struck by the fact that she said a lot of pop artists write to track and she did not have much experience with writing to track. But what really struck me is with both of the voice memos for I Wish You Would and Out of the Woods, both with Jack, both written to track, and they were pretty much finished immediately. They really didn't change much if you compare both of those voice memos to what the finished product was. So Taylor's obviously very good at writing to track. And then she played the audience the finished version, which obviously is an awesome song. And then she moved on to the second half of the video, which was about I Know Places. And it was really funny to watch her when she played it. She was getting so embarrassed over that voice memo because if you remember towards the end of it, she starts blabbering about what she was trying to go for and she wasn't making any sense. And she's telling Ryan, you know what I mean, don't you? And it was just a really funny to see her expressions and get embarrassed over that. Now I'm just making weird sounds. Yep, that's a quote from the memo. <laughs> she was, like, hiding her face. It's such a cute voice memo, though. And one thing, I don't know if... I might have read it at some point when I was looking at the booklet in the album, but Ryan Tedder did do background vocals on I Know Places, and I don't know if I knew that for sure. Did you guys? I did not either. No, I didn't know that. Okay, maybe it's not in the album booklet, I'm not sure, but she confirmed that he did do background vo vocals for that song, and I was hoping at some point then that maybe he'll be a special guest and provide background vocals for the song. He obviously was once already, but they sang uh, his song. Yes, that needs to happen. There's a few shows left where maybe it could. It was so cool to see the reaction of people in the audience during these videos, I'm pretty sure these were all industry people Taylor invited, which really makes me think she really, really, really wants album of the year here. She's doing these special listening sessions practically a year after the album was released with industry people, and it's so smart. But I just liked watching their reactions. They all just really seemed very into it and just really interested in learning about how taylor actually created this 
and we are looking forward to part three, which by the time this episode is released, part three will have already been released on Monday, October 12th. And it will be talking about working with Emojin Heap on Clean and Max Martin and Shellback on Shake It Off. It seems like if you are a Grammy member and have a login, there might be an extended version somewhere in there. Yeah, you can tell some of it is edited. So if anybody knows how we can watch that, let us know. (laughs) Yes, the Grammy Pro website says, want to see more? The full content is only available to members of the Recording Academy. If you're a member, log in to see the rest. So how do we become members of the Recording Academy? I don't know, but I know who we would vote for. We're not biased. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't wait to see part three. And just besides hearing about 1989, anything where I can just listen to Taylor talk is amazing. I feel like in interviews where it's back and forth, sometimes I'm like, the interviewer is just being annoying. I'm like, just stop asking her what her cat's names are. Like, she has so many more (laughs) important things to share with us. (laughs) And it really made you feel like you were at a listening session. This is probably what she did when she did the listening sessions before the album was even released. So that's another cool part of it. I just love hearing stories and anecdotes and everything in her own words and kind of the same as how the parts of the show where she talks to the crowd are the best because she's just such a good speaker. Well, let us know what you guys thought about parts one and two and three after it comes out. And I can't wait to talk about part three on next week's episode. Finally, just to wrap things up, As we mentioned earlier, last week, Taylor posted a list of new songs that will make your life more awesome, she promises. So there were about 11 songs on this list from a variety of small, not very well-known artists. And I think it's just so awesome that she takes the time to help smaller artists out like this. Yeah, I looked up all of these videos on YouTube and a lot of them did not have very many views. And in the comments, so many people said, Taylor Swift sent me here. (laughs) I want to say of this whole list, I listened to them all. My favorite song is the song called I'm Yours by Alessia Cara. And Taylor actually tweeted about her earlier in the summer. And she's a new female artist. And it's a really catchy song. I like that one a lot. My favorites were Sleep On It by Emmy. And then my ultimate favorite was How I Want You by Hudson Thanes, and it featured Haley Steinfeld. I will have to check these out. I haven't had the chance to yet. But then also, Taylor wrote The End, parentheses, for now. So maybe she has some other list in mind planned for the future. Very true. But she really hasn't steered us wrong in the past. I mean, think about how she was tweeting about and then added... Ed Sheeran to the Red Tour and how Vance Joy and Sean Mendez have been on this tour, obviously because she is fans of them, and I think we are all fans of them now as well. So she leads us well. So true. It's actually really funny. Vance just tweeted the other day. It's been a year since Taylor performed Riptide on BBC, and now I'm about to finish up her tour. <laughs> That's still one of the all-time best performances she's done absolutely yeah live lounge is always good i love it when she goes there it'll definitely be interesting to see if 
she ends up covering any of these artists or if any of them end up on the next tour that we might hopefully, maybe, possibly be hearing about in about a year. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Well, just a few reminders for you guys before we go. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button on iTunes and that will download the latest episode for you. And you should follow us on Twitter at SwiftCast13 to keep up with us throughout the week. And some of our other contact methods are swiftcast13.tumblr.com. We're Instagram, where our username is theswiftcast13. We're at facebook.com slash theswiftcast. You can email us at theswiftcast13 at gmail.com. Or you can visit our website where all this information is, which is swiftcast13.com. And on iTunes right now, it will only show our last 100 episodes. So if you want to go back any farther than that, you can go to our website where you can listen to all of our episodes. So next week, I'm going to say 100% sure that Taylor will tweet something about the fall because it's been way too long. It really has been. I think I predicted that last week or maybe the week before, and I've been wrong because she still hasn't. Maybe it's because she's traveling to so many different places that it's she doesn't really have the full fall feeling yet. Maybe also the weather has not been very fall-like. It seems like, I mean, she's been in the Midwest, and in the Midwest it's been pretty summer-like still. Yeah, she'll be in Texas later this week. I don't think it will feel like fall there. <laughs> yeah, and my prediction is actually about Texas. Um, on Saturday, October 17th, she will play at AT&T Stadium. And that is actually the biggest stadium she will play um, in terms of capacity. Uh, it is the biggest NFL stadium in the United States. And I predict it will get two awesome special guests, but I have no idea who they might be. Only two? I don't know. I think three. You think three? I think we'll get somebody uh, to walk the runway during style because that hasn't happened for a long time. Yeah. But it is, it's a huge, huge stadium, like you said. It is the biggest one. I think she'll go all out. Well, I think that we're going to have a really good week because on October 13th, Tuesday, the American Music Award nominations are going to be released. And unfortunately, we won't get to include it on this episode. And by the time you hear this episode, the nominations will be out. But I think Taylor will get... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say seven nominations, just a random number. I would be fine with that. And those will actually be airing on November 22nd, right before Thanksgiving. So we will definitely let you know what happens with all those nominations next week. Well, for now, for episode 127, this has been Ashley. Adam. Steph. And Ashley. And we will see you guys next week. See ya. Bye. Bye, guys. See ya. Thank you for listening to this episode of SwiftCast. Visit us on the web at theswiftcast.com. The theme song for SwiftCast was written and performed by Sydney and Chuck. SwiftCast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift, Big Machine Label Group, or 13 Management.